Hello, this is UQ Sports Armchair Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Mitchell. Thanks for dropping by. Aussie squash star Nick Calvert is our special guest. One hell of a good fella is Nick, but more importantly, he's also one of the nation's best up-and-coming players. There's deep family ties with Nick's squash journey. More on that shortly. We'll also dive into his mathematics degree here at UQ. And just the thought of all those numbers really hurts my head. All right, we're up. Here's Nick on the Armchair Fan Podcast. Nick, great to see you. It's been a long time, but thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jamie. It's a pleasure. So, uh, I'll never get to experience it, but I know people like you do. Um, I want you to unpack the day that you got your first Australian uniform and open it up, put it on, had a look at it. But also, when you stepped on the court as an Aussie player for the first time, what was that like? Talk me through it. Okay, first Aussie experience. Um, I was 14 under... Yeah, 14, um, playing in the under-15 Oceania Junior Championships. So we, um, it wasn't a world or, world or anything. It was a Australia versus New Zealand um, test match. But we got our um, uniform, like, sent to us in the mail. And, yeah, I opened it up and it was, like, sort of felt real at that moment. But, yeah, it was really, um, really special. And I think it was my brother's first time representing Australia as well. So two brothers in the family, Aussie kids at the same time. Yep. What happens, does all the family gather around for a big barbecue? I mean, it must be a pretty emotional time. Um, yeah, it's great. It was like a real celebration for the Calverts, I think. Um, yeah, both first time representing Australia. Like We didn't have a barbecue or anything, but yeah, it was, it was just down on the Gold Coast. So we sort of just took the trip down together as a family. And yeah, we ended up, um, oh, I think Australia beat New Zealand in that test match. So yeah, it was great. And I had my old coach there and, yeah, it was really like my coach who sort of brought me up when I was 12, 13, 14 and sort of those younger developmental years, like he got to see us and he's sort of been quite involved in our family as well. So, yeah, I think it was just a really special experience to be able to compete in front of, you know, friends and family and old coaches and, yeah. So how does the experience of being an Australian representative change as a player but also as a person does it make a big difference yeah it sort of does like I guess you sort of grow up looking up to all the people who've represented Australia not just in squash but every sport like sort of just anyone who's sort of reached that level in a like competing at that level um yeah and then to be able to put on the the Australian uniform yourself like it's yeah pretty amazing so we talked about family and I really love your family tale seems everyone's picked up a squash racket at some point there's yourself your brother Tom who's also a uh, UQ sports achievement scholarship recipient here at UQ your sister Sam also uh, a UQ student at at once as she's graduated now but uh, also on scholarship I I know mum and dad are pretty active on the scene your old man still plays from what I understand as well how early does squash come into your life yeah so I think I was probably four or five when I first picked up the racket like yeah my dad's been playing since he was about 18 and he's I think he's on he's 60 now so he's been playing well over 40 years so he's still going he absolutely loves it he won't I don't think he'll ever stop um yeah you got my brother and my sister into it and then yeah obviously me at a very young age and sort of yeah growing up I always sort of looked up to my brother and sister who were both beating me at the time and sort of just saying, oh, I want to, you know, get to that standard. But at the same time, 
they were both getting better as well. So I had to sort of, you know, catch up to them. I want to talk you through a little moment I witnessed between your brother and your sister. So this was 2018 Unisport Nationals on the Gold Coast. And mum and dad were watching. It was really, really lovely. Tom wasn't competing, but he was working for Squash Australia. I think he was helping out the event. So essentially the scene is you're playing. I think it was for a gold medal, actually. You, you looked... You look mad, but I'm sure that's just your intense way of playing. I think that's just my face, yeah. yeah. So there's, there's a break in play. You come off court. You basically head off, way off court as far away as you can to just collect yourself. And it was kind of as, as if the bat signal had been flashed in the air and your sister Sam shoots straight over and your brother Tom shoot over and you basically have a little three-way sibling um, huddle, so to speak. It was like this like beautiful moment where you were all experiencing it together and they were stepping you through whatever challenges I guess you were dealing with. So how deep's the connection between the three of you? Yeah, um, yeah, obviously, like you said, pretty deep. Yeah, I think I, I do remember that match. I think it was, um, yeah, it was, it was a team match, UQ versus Bond. And yeah, there was, I think there was a bit of stuff going on behind the scenes. So yeah, it was sort so of- So you I were think, mad? Because you look steamed up. I remember it watching it. He looks pretty fiery here, as if they kind of went to calm you down. That's what it looked yeah, like. Yeah, well, I was a bit steamed up. Um, yeah, I think I lost the first game and I sort of went off court and I was like, oh, you know, like sport, it gets like sort of emotional sometimes. So, yeah, I got off court and, you know, wasn't too happy with myself or how I was playing and all that. And, um, yeah, I think I, it was two years ago, so I can't remember exactly what they said. But, yeah, I remember it calm me down and yeah my sister and brother yeah sort of helped me through it and I ended up winning the match and yeah sort of collected myself and yeah I think I had the gold medal match later that day yeah. so do memory you, yeah do you all kind of serve as each other's support groups at different times depending who's playing yeah we do we do um yeah I remember sort of yeah like when my sister she doesn't play so much anymore but when she did yeah like we were all helping her you know like compete and stuff same with my brother like yeah we do support each other and yeah I think it was a really good family family thing that we had going and yes. have, and still have going yeah is it quite fierce though when you play so if you do a google search of either yourself or Tom there's a heap of photos of you two lining up or playing each other so it seems like you actually compete against each other a lot you're also there as support networks I assume you probably train a bit together how, yeah. how fierce is it between you all oh yeah we do like um yeah, so me and my brother, both being um, male athletes, we compete in, like, the same division, like, especially now that we've moved out in juniors and we're, like, it's not age group based anymore, so we're both on the professional tour. So, yeah, there's nothing stopping us coming up against each other and, yeah, we train together as well. So, yeah, like, probably two or three times a year we'll have a match against each other. And, yeah, I think at those times it's really important to remember, like, you've got a job to do and um, you can't really let that emotional side get the better of you. Like, sort of like, oh, he's my brother. Like, yeah. I either have to beat him or sort of I don't want to beat him because he's my brother. Like, I just, like, and I think sort of growing like, sort of when I started playing professionally and I came up against him, that sort of was a problem for me when I was 17 and 18, like sort of not as mature as I am now. Like I sort of let that get the better of me. But now I think it's just, I'm just treating it like another match and sort of, yeah, he's my brother off court. But when I'm playing, I'm just, I've got a job to do and I 
I play my match. So off the court, you also intersect a little bit through Tom's roles with Squash Australia. So previously, um, you've you've had dealings in the high performance squad. So Squash Australia's winning edge squad. Um, how does that relationship change between sportive brother, fearsome competitor, then also um, ally in terms of development and progression through squash? Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Um, yeah, when he was, because he was overseeing um, like the admin side of sort of all the high, high performance athletes for, for a while there. So every time I needed to get like an extension at uni, um, I had to get a letter from Squash Australia and he he was the one writing up a letter, so I always thought it like it was a bit sus getting a letter. <laughs> just written, to clarify, just, yeah. I do work for Squash Australia. Yep, <laughs> just written by my brother, like someone yeah. with the same last name as me. So I thought they would have had a bit of a laugh looking at those. But, yeah, so, yeah, we sometimes intersected. He doesn't work in that role anymore, so I don't have too much to do with him now. He, he works more with the um, referees and coaching accreditation side of things, and he oversees that in Australia. So I don't, yeah, not as much anymore, but... Yeah, we still, still, still sometimes I'll have something to do with them. So you mentioned on the world tour. So you're currently the world 151 ranked male um, player. Can you talk about playing on that world tour? Um, some experiences overseas, but also, I mean, just adjusting to a, a new competition level. I guess that you haven't been exposed to previously. What's it like, and how fierce is it? Um, yeah, so I think that that transition between juniors and seniors or professional level, like it's it's quite big. Like I think juniors, you sort of come up as like sort of I was top two in Australia pretty much all the way from, you know, under 13s up until I was 18. So, yeah, juniors, I was sort of, you know, one of the top guys and then sort of got straight into the professional right after that, like around 18 or 19. And then I sort of had to start from the bottom again. So it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a reality check. And then sort of, you know, I, I was getting used to playing all my junior tournaments, like easily making semis, easily making finals. And um, yeah, like playing, playing decent squash, but then again, it's professionals and, you know, suddenly your first round match becomes like a battle. And then, yeah, like losing first round, second round, like that's, yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot different. Um, yeah, like, and traveling all the way overseas, like I remember like going to Malaysia and losing first rounds, like you never, never really get that in juniors because you always got like a plate event or sort of, yeah, you're not, not really losing first round too much in juniors, but yeah, in the professional, like it's pretty brutal. You like, you go all the way, spend all the money to, you know, get to Malaysia or somewhere overseas and not do too well. So it's pretty, it's pretty harsh if you're, you know, if you're not super, yeah. So a couple of questions on that. Um, has your scholarship helped out with trying to chase that professional dream? So obviously the financial side of actually committing to it and um, a lot of travel costs, of course, all that sort of thing. The grind of trying to make it as a professional, how difficult is it? I'm assuming um, being, you know, maybe not so much a publicised sport, it's very difficult for players to commit so much to it to, to make it work. Is that what it's like? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like you said, it is a grind. Um yeah, like you sort of like during the season, you just plan tournament after tournament. Sometimes, like, and it's sort of fluctuation. Like sometimes you'll you'll play well and you know be making semis and finals of these like bigger professional events, and then other weeks you'll just like have shockers and 
losing the first couple of rounds and yeah like it's yeah a bit of a roller coaster emotionally and physically and yeah how, how do you deal with those bad days so you talked about a lot about first round exits and how crushing it is mm. can you move on pretty quickly or are you the type that can stew on it perhaps for a few days or weeks that it really lingers with you um i sort of yeah i think i'm pretty good at forgetting it like sort of okay that happens like it just mean i didn't train hard enough so yeah I sort of allow myself the rest like whenever I have a loss where I'm not not super happy with the result or not it's it's not about the result it's more of how I played if I if I lose and I didn't play well I'm like okay I'll I'll think about it for the rest of the day then as soon as tomorrow hits I'm back to training sort of back to my normal schedule and all you can do is train and get better from there and use it as a learning experience how do you how do you interact with coaches so i'm assuming being in the winning ed squad with squash australia you've got designated australian coaches that you deal with or is it more sort of club based that you uh, or center based perhaps that you work with coach coaches that are linked to where you train yeah so as as part of the winning edge squash i'm lucky enough to work with the um national coach um stuart boswell and yeah i'm with with him every day pretty much during my training and most Australian tournaments that I play. Um, yeah, so it's really it's really good because um, he's quite an experienced player, um, former world number four, and, yeah, he's got a lot of great things to share with me. So, yeah, like I'm talking to him every day about like how I can improve and, you know, what I can do how, to get better. How much of the relationship is this is what you need to do, you know, talking tactics, talking all sorts of stuff, but also just trying to work with you, I guess, on a personal side. Um, there's a bunch of a sort of difference here between the actual squash talk and then maybe some more personal interactions, just mental well-being, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's definitely a bit of both. Like, obviously, there is that sort of tactical and technical and everything that goes into making, like, a good squash player. But, you know, he also, he also understands that you're need to stay like sort of mentally healthy off the court and on like so you can play good on so yeah like I think he's good at managing that and making sure we're not getting like crushed by training and being you know so so like anxious by training or something like I think he's yeah he understands that you need a good balance so yeah we do chat about that sometimes and he's really good in that regard so you moved to the gold coast to be closer to the national training base you've come up to brisbane for our podcast recording you're heading back to the gold coast for training so what's like the daily grind look for for you in terms of training and are you actually training like seven days a week or is it not that intense um no not seven days a week i think rest days is normally important so it's normally around the five to six day mark so it's sort of monday to friday um normally five days a week um how many hours are you hitting um so we're probably hitting each day probably two to three hours Mm -hmm. and then plus sort of gym or fitness work on top of that as well so normal normal day would look like either running or like a physical session like either ghosting or which is um ghosting's movement patterns like without without the ball pretty much so it's good for like technical movement and fitness um so in the morning we'll do either gym or ghosting and um and a bit of bit of hitting it's like sort of skill stuff which is sort of a bit bit chill like sort of standing and just doing a lot of racket work and then in the afternoon every afternoon it's just hitting from about 3 30 to 5 30 so that's another two hours of hitting on top of that so the ghosting is that just um kind of muscle memories 
patterns and where to be in certain situations. Is that what you're trying to achieve in those situations? Is, is that how it works? Like, um, if I sort of move back a court, I've got to quickly get back to the centre or, like, yeah, can you talk me through yeah. it? Yeah, so... Um yeah, it's about um like sort of being smooth. Like there's there's a few different goals and there's like being smooth with your movement. So you sort of you sort of want to link your m- movement with your swing. Yeah. Sort of. So you want to like you don't want to you know run blindly and then get your racket up and smack the ball. You sort of want to be like as you're moving your your racket's sort of going to be wanting to do the work as well. So um yeah, I think it's like linking those two and being you know just being efficient with your movement you're not you don't want to be wasting too much energy doing you know bad move bad inefficient movements so you want to be nice and smooth and so you're working on that and also it's you know great fitness work as well like it gets your heart rate going pretty high yeah we'll talk about that i'm curious to kind of delve into just how taxing this sport is so the hitting side of training so um on a continuum of 10 is competition play where it's two to four people are hitting, you know, pretty fiercely to one. It's just a bit of a leisurely sort of rally. Where does sort of training sort of find itself in that realm? Are you doing mostly sort of competition-based um, levels of hitting or is it a bit more let's work on this aspect of um, our game and then we'll move into some more um, sort of simulated match play? Yeah, so it, it depends on the day. Like um, we've got we've got heavier days where it's more of just, yeah, simulated match play where it's just a nine or a 10 for, you know, 90 minutes or something and you're pretty sore at the end of it. But then you've got lighter days, maybe like more around the end of the week where you're sort of, you know, concentrating on technique and maybe not doing too much to as much movement as you would in a match. You sort of just want to get your... You know, a bit of bit of skill work, and it's probably may, maybe more of a three or four. Like so, yeah, you've got to. I guess at the start of a session, you've got to focus, and you just concentrate on that focus. Sometimes it's intensity, sometimes it's low intensity, but like thinking about your racket and your movement and sort of how it all ties in together. So after training, after matches, man, I'm assuming legs are killing you. Um, you're probably deeply fatigued from the, the cardio side of it. Um, what do you experience after a big competition? Um, does it is it just body soreness? I'm assuming it's a lot of ice paths and all sorts of stuff afterwards, but where do you really feel it after a, a big meet? Um, where in the body? Yeah, or mind um, even too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, mind gets pretty, um, yeah, pretty bad after. But um, like I mean, yeah, like just mental fatigue after a big tournament, like. Because if if you win a tournament, you're playing probably four to five, four to six back-to-back matches. Um, yeah, so it gets sort of pretty fatiguing. But yeah, in the mostly in the legs, like glutes, hammies, quads, lower back, mostly like, that's where it hits the most. But yeah, like like you said, like ice bath, stretching, rolling, like that's all super important. Um, yeah, like we try and do that as much in between matches as possible like and sometimes sometimes we're able to get into an ice bath like depending on the hotel or airbnb we're staying sometimes we're not um it just depends on where we're staying yeah squash is such a visual sport in the sense that it's a small venue you largely have to watch everything that's going do you like to before you play watch what's out there or do you like to perhaps sort of park the action that's going on and have a bit of quiet time and think about your own sport um yeah, so, yeah, leading up to a, to a match and, like, in a tournament, say, um, yeah, like, I like to sort of watch, like, sort of get there, like, an hour, an hour and a half 
perform a match and sort of see how the court's playing and how everyone else is playing. Like if I've, if like, say, like the next day I'm probably going to be playing someone else that's playing at the moment. I like to watch their game. Um, yeah, and it's good, like different courts play different ways and like even like depending on the weather, like it'll always like, the conditions always change slightly, so it's nice to look to see how how the court's playing. And then about half an hour before my match, I'd, I like to have a bit of quiet time where I just get away from anything, everything, do my warm-up, about half an hour warm-up, and, yeah, just sort of think about what I'm going to be doing and sort of get away from everything. So to a layman like me who doesn't um, know a whole lot about squash, can you talk me through the differences between court speeds and conditions? So I think most of us would assume it all plays pretty true, but are most of the variances between um, squash courts that are quite old or, you know, perhaps boards that are old or is it just like humidity and things like that that make the big difference? Yeah, so there's actually, um, it's a lot. So probably the most, the biggest thing is um, the ball. So it's made out of, it's it's rubber. It's about about that big, made out of rubber. So um, so it actually like slightly like you won't be able to notice it, but it slightly expands in heat and gets it like so it gets like hotter in the heat, so it bounces more. And then so in in summer, like you've got a super bouncy ball, and in winter, it's not as bouncy. So it actually changes the game quite a lot. Like your tactic, what tactics will change based on how much the ball's bouncing mm. and there's like big big variation between that and um yeah as well as like the court architecture like there's some courts made out of different material and you sort of have to adjust for that that's interesting as well. yeah yeah it sounds a bit closer to tennis in the sense that you know clay courts react a lot different i, di- I didn't expect such sort of variance between them um, oh yeah it's yeah it's huge so expanding on that what, what type of player are you what do you what do you like what kind of conditions suit you and i guess sort of in terms of match play and technique? I mean, where do you, um, where do your strengths lie? Um, yeah, so condition-wise, I like a like fairly true ball, like sort of somewhere in the middle. Like I'm not – like sort of when the ball's too hot, you sort of get into the – players get into the habit of sort of smacking it and it sort of becomes it it becomes a bit messy like the match um and then when when the ball gets cold you sort of play a few more drop shots and you want the ball to be nice and short so my strengths lie in um in sort of volleying and sort of like I'm quite a good volleyer and I play at quite a high high pace as well so it's sort of it becomes pretty physical for my opponents like sort of when you volley in squash you're taking you're taking time away from your opponent which is the most important thing so it sort of puts them under pressure and I'm sort of like that pressure player which yeah um yeah, so I don't I don't like it too like too messy of a match like just nice and true and I sort of like to play at the back a bit more before I go I take the ball short and so sort of with the cold ball people are going short a lot earlier and it's not yeah not as good for me so yeah I know you play a bit of doubles as well yeah. do you love doubles are you more of a singles competitor what do you prefer um I'm a I'm a singles player I do I do play a bit of doubles and it yeah like it's a fairly different game like it's a it's a bit messier than singles as well like there's there's a lot going on and you got you got four players to think about like because you're all in a confined space and you're sort of gonna like with singles you you just got to think about the two of you maneuvering in and out of each other but when there's four people yeah like there's there's a lot to take in and you sort of yeah does it um i mean doubles tennis you know bigger space of course perhaps a little bit more um 
you know, tactic based. Is double squash, can you get a lot of tactics in a situation where there's four people in a tiny space trying to kind of get out of each other's way and the ball's pinging around so fast? Yeah, like um, I wouldn't say it's more tactical, but yeah, the tactics definitely change and you sort of, yeah, I guess you want to, because I guess you'd, you'd move you'd move as a team. So if you sort of want to move together, like if the ball's if the ball's to one side, you both want to be moving a little bit yeah, to cover that. And yeah, so you sort of yeah you you want to draw both players away to one area of the court and then hit it to the empty space. If that makes sense. Yeah. Let's talk about a couple of major uh, achievements in your career so far. I particularly want to talk about last year before the world <laughs> sort of exploded on us all. Um, look, great success a, as a junior competitor, 2017 Australian Junior Championships, first in the under 19s men's, uh, 2018 Queensland Junior Championships, again, first in the under 19s. Um, there was also um, in 2018 Australian National Championships, first in the, the men's premier grade singles event. To date, was that sort of one of the sort of biggest moments of your career, achieving that result at the, the national championships in 2018? Um, so 2018, that was, yeah, that was the last year of my junior career. So, yeah, I won the, the junior national titles. And, um, so that, um, did you say premier grade? Yeah. Yep, so that's, um, that was the division below the Open. So sort of there was the professional player. So that was before I sort of made that transition into being a proper professional player like so I was number one in juniors and I was playing like the the grade below where the pros were playing so I won that so I don't I, w- I wouldn't say that was a huge achievement um in that sense because yeah but then um I think a couple of years later I ended up winning the open event for yeah so before you got there there was a the I guess a pretty exciting moment with your brother Tom so 2019 world doubles championships um, competed together fifth. What was that experience like competing with him and at an international event? Yeah, that was uh, that was a yeah really special experience. Like just um, so that was the first time I represented Australia in the like in the open division, like not not juniors as as a senior professional player. So yeah, that was awesome, and I got to you know be in the same team as some some great Australian players. Um, you know, top top twenty in the world, like world-class players and I got to you know interact with them which was amazing um yeah and then to make it twice as special I got to you know play in the same team as my brother as well so we were we were a doubles pairing so yeah ended up by choice um no not by choice um sort of yeah they they sort of like to yeah, I think they just paired us up on who we think would would make like the best pairings, and it just ended up that me and my brother mm. were were together. Yeah. Any particular memories from from that one that really stand out? Playing with him, national, you know, represent representatives, all that sort of stuff. Um, I think our first match, like we were, it was just is one of those ones where we were both just super nervous, and um, you know, playing in the green and gold colours for the first time. And I think we played the Philippines. Um, and it was just uh, like normally – so so in doubles, the, um, the tin, that, which is the line, you have to hit it above. So normally it's 17 inches. It drops – for doubles, it drops down um, another four inches. Yep. So you can go for like more lower shots yep. and like it's easy to kill the ball. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so doubles is really uh, really like a – 
bit of a like you want to kill and you want to play those attacking winning shots um yeah so we were sort of just both so nervous that we weren't we, we were scared of like making mistakes and hitting those high risk shots so we, we ended up like staying out there for well over an hour just like not not wanting to make an like make any mistakes um and like mess it up for australia or anything so yeah i think that was that was quite a funny one um all right, a yeah. wonderful experience to enjoy with your brother. I want to talk about 2019 Arafura Games. Uh, I think it was in Darwin, right? So it's a it's an international multi-sport event. Um, a lot of Asia-Pacific countries take part. What are your experiences of that? You, you did win the men's singles. Yeah. A unique event. Would have been quite fun to take part in. Um, yeah, that was that was really fun. Like, um, yeah, like they had a – like it was a bit of a crazy experience. Like it was sort of – like I'd say Commonwealth Games on a watered-down scale, yeah. I guess. Like they've got the whole opening and closing ceremony and, yeah, multi. like I've never really experienced, apart from Unisport Nationals, I hadn't really experienced a multi-sport event. So it was awesome to, you know, go play play a squash match, then I'd go watch... Um, watch like the soccer or the footy or there was there was a few weird ones like um badminton and um oh, it's got it's got an asian name it's the one where it's like volleyball but with your feet oh yeah i think i know what you're talking about but yeah yeah i think it's quite cool though just to soak it all in and yeah yeah and it was it was awesome like it was huge and i think that was that was sort of the first tournament where i remember you know coming out of juniors and winning that tournament and I was sort of thinking, like, that was the first one where I was thinking to myself, oh, okay, like, I think I can make it as a professional player. Like, I'm playing at that, you know, like, proper mature standard. Well, last year, before everything went upside down, 2020 Australian National Squash Championships, you won the men's closed event. Yeah. A major deal in your career. Um, yeah, walk us back to that experience and that, that tournament and how big an achievement it is for you. Yeah, so that's definitely my biggest achievement to date. Um, yeah, I remember going into that tournament with not, not high expectations, like sort of just sort of one of those ones where oh, I got a new coach, like I'm just, I just want to go through, you know, play. I just wanted to play well. Like I wasn't, I wasn't really result orientated for that, for that tournament really. Um, I wasn't concentrating, yeah, on anything. I was just like, okay, I'm going to do the right things, do what, like prepare well, do what my coach told me. And then I think the results will just take care of itself. And yeah, I ended up just winning match after match and playing some of the best squash to date. Like, um, yeah, and yeah, ended up ended up winning and yeah, beating some really good players in the process. So yeah, definitely my biggest win. And yeah, I think it was, yeah, pretty surreal for me to end up winning that one. You were picked in the the World University Squash Championships um, Australian squad that got cancelled because of COVID. Um, how how'd you deal with last year? Everyone sort of had a different experience to it, good or bad, or perhaps a, in between. Where did you land last year when events stopped, sports stopped, you perhaps couldn't access the squash courts? What was it like? Uh, yeah, like I was, you know, pretty not not too happy about it. Obviously. Um, you know, I had I had a lot of tournaments. Like I was planning on, yeah, that university, World University Games in um, China, which was, you know, going to be awesome. Um, I was planning on playing some, like going a bit more abroad to play my professional tournament. So I was going to go to Hong Kong for one, probably planning on New Zealand, Malaysia, um, all that. Like I had a lot of travel planned for that 
um, for that year. And obviously it um, all went south with COVID. Um, yeah, so I was, it was probably, yeah, it was tough, but I think, you know, there's in those situations like that, there's nothing you can do about it. So I guess I just had to make the most out of it, like sort of the things that I wanted to work on on court, like that would take a while. Like there was a few technical things that, you know, I didn't want to change mid-tournament or like in between tournaments. I wanted to change them in maybe an off-season. So I had, you know, months and months of no tournaments. So I think I made made the most of... Um, you know, using that time to fix some things like in my game that like one of those situations where you have to take two steps back to t take three step forward. So yeah, I was able to do that and really make the most out of my time off. And yeah, I was, I was happy with my progress in there. So largely we're, we're back to normal um, with a lot of sport, of course, international events, perhaps, um, you know, a few hurdles still to, to jump with those, but how does 2021 look on a squash front? And are you going into this year with the same mentality of the national championships last year, where you just don't really have too many expectations and you're just letting it flow and to see what happens? Um, yeah, like um, I think this year I probably, I'm probably looking to get a few more results now that, yeah, um, yeah, like we've got some tournaments in mostly Australia. Like obviously we can't travel too much around the world at the moment. Um, yeah, so mostly Australia and now that the bubble's opened up in New Zealand um, at this time, like some New Zealand tournaments as well. So I think, yeah, like to a degree, I think it's good to just sort of be like, okay, I just want to, like you said, flow and let the results take care of itself and play well. And then, yeah, also, yeah, I think, yeah, mm. I think, yeah, a bit of both. I'm not sure how to explain it. Like, uh, I think it'd be one of those ones where you probably need to get in the swing of the season to kind of, I guess, sort of reassess and see where things are at. Yeah, Once that's it right. sort of starts rocking and rolling again, that's it's right, a yeah. weird one. Yeah. Hey, Nick, talk to me about mathematics. Um, now, I, I can't count to save myself. I'm, my brain isn't wired that way. Um, you know, uh, any mathematics equations, uh, it just hurts my head to think of it. What drew you to that degree? And I'm curious where you want to go with that once you graduate here at UQ. Um, yeah, so I think through high school, I sort of, you know, took took a fair few subjects and just a little bit of everything. And I think, I think just my brain was wired to do that sort of stuff, um, just the numbers and stuff. Like I was never a good writer or, you know, yeah, I didn't, yeah, not too much, not too good at a lot of things, but, you know, maths, I was, I was fairly good at it and it all made sense to me. So I think it was a smart move to do mathematics at um, UQ because so, I heard it was a really good program and, um, yeah, it was in fairly, it's fairly high demand as well, like that degree and those that people with that sort of skill set. So, yeah, I think it was a smart move on me and I'm almost finished my degree now. So, um, yeah, I think after my squash career, I'm definitely going to go down that path where, you know, I'm not, not too sure yet because it's fairly, you know, you can go a lot of different ways. Like it's a skill set that can go to a lot of different... Um, different places so I'm just sort of going to suss it out at the end of my squash squash career so we talked about so Tom's currently a 
UQ Sports Achievement Scholarship with you this year as well. So you're both going through it right now. Sister Sam's gone through it. Um, did you pick up much advice or were your siblings able to sort of step you through the whole process of trying to do squash at an elite level and also keep study on track? How have you navigated those tricky waters? Yeah, like oh, it was so tricky to start with, but I think I was really lucky to have both my brother and sister sort of in that same in that same um boat as me um yeah like I'm pretty sure like my sister was on the scholarship first so she just pretty much said like uh if you have if you have any issues just um just email UQ Sport or like whoever was um doing like overseeing your scholarship and you know everyone's just they're just they're just there to help you like so if you've got any dramas just you know go talk to someone do something and yeah I took that advice and I think it's worked really well for me final one before we close um how do you beat Tom in the game of squash What's their kryptonite? Uh, what's their kryptonite? Um, I'd say for Tom, play him very, very soon, uh, just like right now before he gets better because he, he was just injured. Oh, right. So he's on his way back from injury. So, um, yeah, if you play him in the next uh, couple of weeks while he's um, rehabbing himself, that's probably your best chance because he's just going to get better and better. <laughs> Kick him while he's down. Yep, that's Nick, the way. Thanks for uh, chatting to us, mate. Thanks so much for having me, Jamie. Yeah, we really enjoyed your journey over the tenure here at UQ. That's almost coming to an end, um, but so much more to look forward to when our tournaments kick off. So good on you, mate. We'll uh, look forward to following along. Cheers, Jamie. Thanks very much. Nick Calvert there, he's just one of a long line of terrific guests we've had on the show and you can explore the back catalogue of episodes on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Former Firebird Laura Klemesha, Aussie gymnast Karina Haggerty and Paralympic swimming champion Lakeisha Patterson, just to name a few. That's the show for this week. Check out all the great things UQ student athletes are up to by following our Instagram page. The handle is at UQ Sport. Thanks for listening. Until next time.